It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Raining Jays podcast. I'm one half of the Jays, John Corrales. The other half on the other side, Jay King from MassLive.com. Jay rocking the new backdrop, ready for the regular season. <laughs> yep. Have to bring Larry Bird in with me. It's just about the regular season. Time to step up again. Yep. Yep. No more preseason stuff. No more messing around. The people, if you want to see what we're talking about, if you're listening, you got you to gotta check it out when uh, we post the videos on MassLive.com, which Jay has been doing throughout the week. So, the preseason is over, thankfully, with an absolute abomination of a game in Manchester. The poor people of Manchester, New Hampshire, were subjected to yeah. the worst displays of quote-unquote basketball that I have ever seen. And it was just, you were there witnessing it in person. Unfortunately, yes. Um, I'm not one of those guys who's like a preseason snob. Like, I appreciate basketball. I love that the Celtics are back. I love that basketball is back. But I think that matchup was destined to be ugly from the start because the Sixers have – I'm not sure they have a single NBA caliber playmaker on that team, Uh, or at least I was suiting up with Tony Roden out. It was just ugly. I mean, with Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, just hounding them at the beginning. They had three turnovers in the first minute, three. Another five by the end of the first quarter. And, I mean, it was just ugly, ugly basketball. Sixers didn't even crack 30% shooting. So, I think it's time for the regular season to start. It is. It is. So, as we look ahead to the regular season, let's start by looking back at the preseason. And just – We've seen some things that we expected, but what to you, Jay, stood out? What are the surprises here from the preseason? Uh, I'm not sure if it was a real surprise, just because Stevens could have gone any way with the front court rotation. But I think that Solinger appears to be on the outskirts of the rotation is a bit of, of a surprise. Um, David Lee starting might be a surprise. Amir Johnson coming off the bench might be a surprise. But I, I think those are all minor surprises just because we didn't really know what the rotation was going to look like. We knew coming in the Celtics had a lot of depth and Stevens had a lot of options. Um, one thing I thought was interesting from his chat after the game against the Sixers, the preseason finale, was that he said whoever starts the first night, he's like, if they're not getting the job done, we can switch it up. He's like, we can switch it up. We have options now. And I think that was telling because last year, no matter how bad the starters were, he stuck with them. And this year he thinks, you know, we can still have that powerful second unit and we can switch up the starters because we have enough guys to do that now. Um, So I I thought that was telling. I think overall preseason was a success, six and one. 
Um, rookies were all good. They all showed promise. And really, I, I think the continuity was obvious. It, you know, they, they still have all those things that made them successful last year. It seemed like like they just came right back to where they were in the, the regular season last year, scrapping and passing and, and playing a fun style of basketball, albeit one that produced one of the ugliest preseason games in world <laughs> history against the Sixers. I do think it's a little bit of a surprise at, uh, about how well they came back, uh, how well they played coming back. I, it was, I think, the most surprising that they just came back so cohesively. I think that's re- one thing that really stood out. Normally, you have that um, that that situation where guys, one guy's going one way and one guy's going the other. We, I saw it last night for the first time where Sullinger was at the top of the key and he made a pass to the right wing. Hunter cut to the hoop and and Sullinger passed to where Hunter was or where he thought he was going, which was the other way. That is the only instance that I can remember of that in the entire preseason. And usually that happens a lot more often, especially when you have a bunch of new guys on the team, which the Celtics do have. Yeah. You know, I think, for the most part, they executed well. I think it's it's important to keep in mind that they played two European teams yes. and then just Atlantic Division swapped. The Atlantic Division is going to be bad, man. Uh, and so the Celtics took advantage of that. But on the other hand of that, Stevens played everybody. Like, he was resting guys. He was throwing out end-of-bench units against other team starters in the fourth quarter. And no matter what he did, like, they played pretty well. Yeah, the end of that and, Knicks game. Sorry to interrupt. The, the end of that Knicks game is a great example of that. And they they held off the Knicks, basically the Knicks starters. And they had Perry Jones on the floor with with two other rookies. Was a Hunter and Rozier and Sullinger. Like that. That's pretty impressive for them to to still go out there and not fall apart. Yeah, and I mean that's just a testament to depth. And I think it's also a testament to how good the rookies have been because Terry Rozier, RJ Hunter, Jordan Mickey, all those guys had moments. All those guys look like if you threw them out in a real NBA game, they wouldn't be lost. They wouldn't give up. They wouldn't hurt your team. Um, so I don't know if those guys will be in the rotation. I actually doubt that any of them will be on opening night. But when those injuries happen, when things happen, those guys look like they're ready to step in and at least not be – that so that that was a huge plus to have three guys outside of the lottery including one second round pick who look you know that solid in preseason is is really really a positive side yeah terry rozier shot 57 percent from three in the preseason which is amazing he just he barely missed and it's funny because i'm all about rj hunter and he shot he didn't even hit 29%. He hit 28.6% from three. But I would have said that those were reversed. It just going off of memory, it's just weird that it does. Does it really feel like RJ Hunter only hit 28.6% from three? Doesn't it feel like he hit a lot more? Yeah, definitely. It was funny last night. So after the game, he missed one. He missed a three pointer. And he blamed Abby Chin for it. 
because before <laughs> the before the game, she she I guess told him how low his percentages had been, and he, he said he he just wanted to hit everyone after she told him that, and so he's like he was just laughing with her, blamed her for the miss. So we can blame the Comcast sideline reporter for R.J. Hunter's latest miss. Uh, but I, I do think despite, you know, his lower shooting percentages, he's a, he's a threat out there, and that helps. And I, I think he'll hit more in the regular season. Um, and also, he, you know, he's a solid playmaker. All those guys are good. Rozier was really surprising from that range. Yeah. Because because he, he didn't come out of Louisville expected to be a shooter. He looks confident. He's knocking them down. Brad Stevens, when he talks about – when he answers questions about their team improving, potentially improving from three-point range, he brings up both those rookies as good shooters. And to lump Terry Rozier in with that is, is pretty surprising and pretty impressive, I think, com- compared to what Rozier was just three, four months ago, you know, coming into the draft. It's funny because Hunter is the shooter. Rozier is more of a defensive guy. And – it's Rozier's shooting that really surprised people, and it's even Hunter's defense that has yeah. been better than expected. It's kind of weird, so but it's good. It's weird in a good way. So those are those are good things. I am a little bit concerned, not worried, not anything crazy. But when you see Kelly Olynyk shoot twenty one and a half percent, and Marcus Smart shoot twenty six and a half percent from three, those aren't. Those are bad numbers. Those are bad numbers for two guys that are going to be taking a bunch of threes this year. I know only preseason, but we've talked about the lack of competition. You you would think that those numbers would be at least a little bit better. Yeah, but I don't think – I mean, it was only seven games. Smart, I believe, missed two. But Linux sat one for rest. So we were dealing with a really small sample size there. Just, just as an example of that. The Celtics entered the preseason finale shooting 39.4% from three, which would have been something like, I, I believe it was second overall in the NBA last year behind the Warriors. After one game, one game, they dropped all the way down to 36.4%. Okay. So it's like there's going to be huge fluctuations in shooting percentages this early in the season. So I'm not sure any of that is indicative. Uh of those, I, I was actually impressed by those two guys. I, I thought Kelly came back in really good shape. Mm-hmm. I think he's obviously moving better. He, he's out there, you know, his, his pump fake and drives, he has more juice to those, I think, this year. I thought he looked in command. I thought he looked more confident. I thought he really had a good preseason. And when he does knock down shots, and he will because he's a good shooter, I think he's going to be a good big piece to that second unit. Uh, Stevens has talked a lot about how much he likes pairing Isaiah Thomas with a big man shooter. And specifically, Kelly Olynyk will probably be a guy, as will Amir Johnson, that play a lot of minutes with Isaiah Thomas. And I really like that trio so far, especially now with Jay Crowder playing more minutes at the three, probably playing more minutes in the starting lineup. Um, so Ke- Kelly was really good. And Marcus... Marcus just looks far more comfortable at point guard. Like, yes, his does. his improvements at point guard have been very noticeable, and he's not like Chris Paul yet. Obviously, he's not going to right away contend to lead the league in assists, but 
I mean, he is doing things that he just wouldn't have done last year. And he just looks more comfortable, more aggressive, more patient. I really, really like what he did as a point guard. And I think that's really important because Evan Turner doesn't look like he's going to be in that starting unit anymore. And so they're going to need Smart to handle a lot of the playmaking suits. And he, he looks like he's ready for it. Yeah, he was very impressive uh, with the ball in his hands. It, passing the ball, uh, he was aggressive, driving a lot more. That's that's really the biggest thing. And the most important thing for, for Smart is to be aggressive and attack. And he did that for basically the whole preseason. He attacked, and I think he used that attack mode to open up some passing lanes. And he's really been uh, against the Knicks – especially he was making some fantastic passes. I mean, just so much more improved from last year, what he was doing. So that is a huge, huge, huge development for the Celtics. If he can be that level point guard, I mean, he doesn't have to be Chris Paul, but I tell you what, he can uh, be really damn effective if he's attacking the, the rim and getting to the free throw line and passing like that. You're looking at you're looking at 15 points and five assists, easy, easy, and that might be on the low end for him. So if he does this all all season long, so yeah, and very and, and the the key thing here is he's 21. Like this is just the first step, and but it's a really promising first step for him to come back after one off season and look that much more comfortable. And he's obviously put in the work. Like everything they wanted from him he is starting to put into action. You know, last year during his rookie season, I thought, you know, he was a really good passer, but he needed the passing lane to be there already. You know, like now he's starting to open up those passing lanes by himself with penetration, by being patient, by being crafty. And that's what the the really good point guards do. You know, they don't just see passes and make them. They create passes and then they make them. And so, so that's what he started to do a little bit of in the preseason, and that's his next step. And really, that's an important one because of all the guys in the Celtics roster, he is the one who has the best chance to become a star. I don't know what that chance is. I don't know how likely he is to become a star, but he is the one you would bet on if you had to pick one guy. And, you know, if he does become a star, and becoming a point guard is a huge part of that, then all of a sudden their future changes. And with that Brooklyn pick next year, with Smart developing, you know, then they change. Now they have depth. They have that star. They have Isaiah Thomas, one of the top scorers off the bench in the league. Then they look really complete. Um, But Smart has to make that step, and I'm way ahead of myself right now. So far, (laughs) so far ahead of where we should be thinking about Marcus Smart. But those are the things you think about when he starts to make all those improvements. And, and he, it's just that promise. And he, he's just starting to scratch the surface right now. And I, I think we should continue to see him uh, improve over the next over the season and then over the years because he does put the work in. Well, let's, let, let's look at what Marcus Smart can really do and why, why it's so tantalizing. And look, remember, he's the number six pick in the draft. It's not 
out of the question to ask the sixth overall pick to become a star eventually. That's that's why he was picked so highly. Um, I If you look at what Marcus Smart should do, if he hits a couple of threes a game, just a couple, we're looking at six points a game, plus a few layups. So there's another six, there's 12. Now, if he goes to the line six or seven times and converts on that, you're looking at 17 points. He's just he's on the cusp of a 20-point-a-game score. That's a star player. When you're out there scoring 20 points a game, that's the makings of a star player. And if he's attacking and being aggressive like that, then he is, like you said, uh, creating the passing lanes, uh, which is a very good point by you, creating the passing lanes and making those passes and dropping five, six assists, or you know, then you also have the hockey assists mixed in, now you're looking at a guy who's your point guard who's scoring almost 20 a game, 20 a game on some nights, and then getting five, six, maybe seven assists. That's a star player. That's a star player, and it's not out of the question for him to become that maybe this year, maybe next year, but it's not that far off. Is that an unrealistic expectation to hit five or six free throws and make a couple of layups and make a couple of threes? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Five or six free throws might be a lot for this year. But down the road, you know, I think he has great Even potential. if it's next year. Yeah, you know, one year, yes, I'm with you. I do think he's just going to get better and better. He obviously puts the work in. He's so strong. And now he's starting to develop the handle and the craftiness to use that strength. And all good signs out of him. All good signs out of a lot of guys, you know, I just can't get over the depth on this team. Like, Steven does. Like, Jared Sullinger is a fifth big man right now. Fifth. Yeah. He averaged almost a double-double. He, they were probably at the start of last season. He might have been their best player. Like, their very best player with Rondo out, with Rondo struggling. At this time last year, like, Jared Sullinger was the hope. He was the future. Right. Right, and and now it's like now people are ready. Still twenty three, and and he might not even get on the court. It's crazy, it it really is. Like they just have a lot of good players. Um, I I, I can't get over yeah. it seeing it in person. Like they just don't drop off. No, it's it is a pretty relentless attack when you can bring guys in. And now we ask people to ask questions on Twitter. I'm going to bring this up now. Because usually what we'll do is we'll have the, the question segment afterwards. But this leads into uh, one of the questions. It was asked by Alex. And I want to get your take on this. Because he asks us, do you think David Lee will maintain his starting spot? And if not, who's most likely to take it? Now, I contend that if David Lee is not starting, that Sullinger might actually start because you want to keep Kelly Olenek and Amir Johnson together off the bench. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, I think Stevens really likes that Thomas Olenek Johnson pairing. Uh, and I, that Johnson Olenek pairing makes a lot of sense. Having Johnson to clean up for Isaiah's miscues makes a lot of sense defensively. Having you know, those three guys together offensively makes a lot of sense with a Linux space in the floor, Johnson rolling down the rolling to the rim, Isaiah creating plays for everyone. So that makes I mean, yeah. 
And but I, I think they really like David Lee's playmaking in the first unit. Uh, they think that can be a huge boost after having Brandon Bass there last year. Like the difference is just just nuts. Um, and that first unit is really where I think they can improve the most. Like we've talked about this before. The stars were really bad, really bad last year. And, you know, that, that first unit has shown promise throughout the preseason. I think adding Jay Crowder in there, and, and he started a, a little bit last season, but I think with, with Smart still a rookie, with Brandon Bass in the lap last year, with Crowder at the three, they didn't have enough playmaking. Now, and they needed Evan Turner in that role. Now I think with Smart able to handle more, with David Lee out there making plays off the bounce, with him facilitating offense from the high post, that, that Crowder in there makes a lot of sense. And that defensive perimeter trio yeah. is, is as good as it gets between Bradley, Smart, and Crowder. I mean, that is just going to suffocate people. We saw it with the Sixers. And granted, they're the Sixers. Granted, it was like Isaiah Kanan, Kanan, whatever the heck his <laughs> name is. <laughs> but, you know, they, they couldn't even dribble. They, they, they no. could not even dribble. Smart was slapping the ball away. Bradley was coming up with steals. After the game, Brad, Bradley, who had four steals, was like, yeah, I thought I had 10 or at least 10. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, those guys just completely dominated that first quarter. And they're going to do that to some teams. And it's, it's fun to watch them play. I, I think I think Lee's playmaking will be important with that group. And, but, yeah, you're right. You know, if, if Lee doesn't work out with that group, you might want to continue having Olenek and Johnson off the bench. And then Solinger might make sense. I, I wouldn't even rule out, like, sitting big guys randomly, like like giving yeah. them a rest, like like almost like a – I don't know, like, like Popovich, like yeah, just like the Spurs. Give him a rest, and you have four more guys who can do the job. You know, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that in the NBA in general because there's yeah. a, they're very hyper focused now on player health. In in that they they've already made changes to the schedule to prevent the a, a lot of these four games and five night stretches. They're yeah. trying. They're trying as a league to do things to reduce the wear and tear and impact on players' bodies because basketball is a tough sport. It's not like football where you, you get hit by a truck every play, but it's 82 games of jumping and running and getting jostled, and it, it really it wears on your joints. It's more, instead of impact, it's more like the river carving its way through a canyon, and eventually you've got the Grand Canyon. It wears your joints down so much. They're, they're monitoring guys. I think it's the Warriors. They've got these monitors hooked up to players so they can track their their health. It's So I think, like you said, sure, David Lee, take a night off. If it's maybe a back-to-back or, or maybe he's, you just want to sit him, start Sullinger and go for it. Just go for it, especially if you're yeah. playing you know, a bad opponent. You know, If you're playing the Sixers – in a stretch like that, sit a guy, give him, give him a day off. Hell, they do it in baseball, and baseball is not exactly that much of a grind. Why can't, why can't you just give guys nights off in in basketball? It just doesn't. 
In baseball, it's just whatever. Uh, David Ortiz has a night off. He's, his, him swinging the, the bat four times a game is just too much. He's got to take a day off. Like, come on. You can't, you can't take a, a big man and sit him. I think that's, that's something that, that they should consider. So. Yeah, well, I, I think in most cases it's that every good player in basketball is worth so much because they're involved in every play. For They play 40 minutes a game. It's not like you're missing a guy for a full four at bat out of 30-something. You're, you're missing a guy who plays who impacts every single play he's on the court for 35 minutes. Yeah. So I think that's why more teams don't do it. But I remember when the, the Celtics played the Spurs last year, I was asking Tyler Zeller about them sitting guys. He, he, he was like, man, he's like, do you know how helpful that would be? He, he said, you just get run down during the season. He wasn't complaining. He, he wasn't complaining. Tyler Zeller loves basketball. But just he, he – I mean, you get run down. You play so many games. You're going from coast to coast. They finish a game at 1030. They travel from one city to the next. They hardly ever get good sleeps. Like, it's crazy the, the things they put their bodies through. Yeah. And if there ever was a team that you could just sit, guys, as long as they stay healthy, it's, it's a team like this Celtics team, where not only do they have a ton of depth, but they don't have the stars. It's like Sillinger might be the fifth guy in the rotation right now. How much difference is there between him and David Lee? Like, really, there's not that much difference. You know, Solinger has strengths that he does better than David Lee. David Lee has some strengths he does better than Solinger. But, you know, between that, your starting power forward and your power forward who might not play at all, there's not a lot of difference. So I, I think if, if Stevens does that, it could be one way to keep guys happy. could be one way to keep guys healthy. I'm not convinced he'll do it just because nobody's – ever really done it regularly with the exception of Popovich. Um, but it's a way to, to keep guys happy. And with the depth on this team, it's I, I would consider it. This actually brings us up to another question on Twitter uh, from Larry Flynn. What's the best 4-5 combo for the Celtics? We've, been, we've kind of been talking about that. And I don't know. It, I think the answer is it depends because the best 4-5 combo to start, I really do think, is – Lee and Zeller and they're going to they're going to do well together because like you like you've been saying and we've all been saying the preseason Lee is a good passer and and Zeller is a smart player and he can finish so that's a pretty good combination but I I think that Amir Johnson Kelly Olynyk thing like we've been saying throughout the show so far is so important for that second unit that it's hard to actually give an answer. Like, what's best? What do you, you know, what, best by what what standards? I think the Johnson-Olinick combo will be better offensively, but that Lee-Zeller combo to start is, is pretty important too because of how they play and, and how they work off of one another, and it just kind of fits with the, what that starting unit is doing. Yeah, I... I, th- I do think that the starting lineup that we saw against the Sixers, which is Smart, Bradley, Crowder, Lee, and Zeller, will be the opening night starting lineup. Uh, they started four times out of seven games in the preseason, and Stevens liked that unit. And they started the first two. They started the last two games of preseason. And 
it, it's a way to keep together most of the bench from last year, or at least the same formula that you had on the bench, which was really powerful last year and really the biggest part of their success, while also you know, having some changes in, in that front court, which is from Brandon Bath to David Lee, from Evan Turner to Jay Crowder, and then from Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley of last year to Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley now, um, which could also be two big improvements. So I, I like that starting unit. I, I think Stevens is really smart. You know, <laughs> I, I, I hardly ever look at his lineups and think, what is he doing? Like, even Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is a really smart coach, a really good coach. Sometimes he'd do things that just didn't really make a lot of sense. And you have questions about I hardly ever question Stevens' decisions. And when I do, he, he always has the answer. Like, th- there's a perfectly rational reason for why he did what he did. Um, so I do like the starting lineup. I, I'm not sure. I don't think it's their best lineup, but I do think it's their best choice to start because they want to keep that second unit together or a lot of that second unit together and, you know, really ride the wave that they rode last year with Isaiah Thomas just crushing opponents' benches. Yeah, and this this actually leads into another Twitter question from Aaron, who asks, do you guys think Brad continues to experiment with the lineup, or does he stay pretty consistent with the preseason? So your your answer is that he stays pretty consistent with the preseason, which is the the right answer because you look at that that front that that perimeter defense, like you said. I mean, that's that's really the best approach. You, it's two very distinct units. They're very different. They do, they do very different things. But when you throw Bradley Smart and Crowder out there against other teams' starters, that is your best chance at limiting the other team's starters. Yeah. Those guys, you can't throw the, the bench unit there against the starters because they'll get torched. So you have to go with the, that perimeter alignment because that will when you're playing, let's say, Oklahoma City, you need Marcus Smart on Westbrook. I mean, you, you might not stand much of a chance, but the only chance of slowing him down at all is Smart. The only chance of slowing down Durant is Crowder. That those guys, and, and then hopefully you get a little help from Avery Bradley. Like though, Against that, that level of opponent, that's your front court. That's your, your back court. And then the front court, we already have established that it's Isaiah Thomas and Amir Johnson joined at the hip. Uh, yeah. And they, I, I've been trying to come up with like celebrity couple names for them, and I, Isaiah, <laughs> I came up with Isaiah Mir. So the Isaiah Mir combo—I don't know if that's even good, but I'm sticking with it. The Isaiah Mir combo has to stay together. I'm not and sure so, I like that. I'm not sure I like. That. I'm going to come up with a better one. Come up with a better one. That, that, hey, that's kind of weak. It's you think it's weak? You get both names combined. Isaiah Mir. I mean, that, that's that's so. What? Say, like, like, what? What do you want? Let, let's let's think of something a little more creative here, John. Hey, if you, I hey, look, I'm saying, if you want to come up with a nickname for them, I'm not saying that's their nickname. I just like did like the celebrity like Benefer couple name. Like that's like they're together to me. Look, man, come at me, bro. Give me something. You Benef- come up with something better, and we'll <laughs> we'll we'll go with it. We're basing our Isaiah Thomas Amir Johnson nicknames on Benefer. 
which, I, I mean, that's sad, John. I'm that's comfortable sad. with it. I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> Give me something we- better. Tweet us, people who are listening. Tweet us. I only came up with the celebrity couple name because I thought, hey, they're they're going everywhere together. They're like joined at the hip. So I came up with the couple name. But let's come up with a nickname. Let's do an actual nickname for the Isaiah Thomas, uh, Amir Johnson combo. Uh, tweet us. You know, tag it, Rain and Jays, and and come up. We'll we'll figure something out. We're gonna come up with a, a nickname. But anyway. The point about the lineups is that if you're going to have Smart out there, then Smart's not going to be paired up with Amir Johnson because Isaiah Thomas is. So it, you go from that defensive unit to the offensive unit, basically, with that. And you throw Olenek in there, too, because Olenek is really, really important to Isaiah Thomas' scoring ability. He's the guy that's going to really take any center that's going to cause Isaiah Thomas problems and he's going to pull them away from the rim that's how important Olenek is to this process and and people I know a lot of people don't like Olenek out there he is really 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 important to this team right now like yeah very very important to this team and he is showing signs of improvement and he is a threat a threat to hit from three you stick Kelly Olenek in the corner and no one is going to say, I'm going to let him shoot because he will uncontested bury you from the corner. That is not a secret. So you have to respect that. And he's pulling your center out of the paint. And that's where Isaiah Thomas can finish. We know he likes to get to the rim. That's where he can finish. And that's why he can finish because Olenek needs to be out there with him. And Amir Johnson is going to be setting the picks to help get Thomas to the rim. And then he's going to get that overflow. That that trio works perfectly and then if you want to stick i don't know jarebko out there with them however however you want to do the other rotation that's fine i like i like the idea of jarebko out there with with Olenek because he can stretch you from the other corner and now you've really yeah. got a lot of space on the floor and that's going to be a hell of an offensive unit as a second unit that's a lot of potential scoring on that second unit so i think that's been the plan i think he's going to stick with that plan and it's going to be up to the players to keep that lineup intact and if someone doesn't like we said earlier then Stevens will find someone else who will but I think that's pretty much your your core uh your core first and second units yeah yeah I I think so too um I don't think Brad will hesitate to make a change though I think he sees his roster as he sees all the opportunity on his roster. Like if something's not working, bam, change it up. There's so many options, so many good options. And yeah, while you were talking, one thing I I popped in my head, is there any defensive perimeter trio in the NBA better than smart Bradley and Crowder? I was trying to think I, 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 San Antonio popped to my mind right away. Right. Because of Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard, yeah. But then you have Tony Parker, right? Um, you know, obviously you could go with like Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson, and Stephen Curry. Is Stephen Curry, Curry a good enough defender? I, I guess the other two guys are such good defenders that yeah, maybe he fits. But there's he but makes there's a fit weak in spot. there, right? Like if you were to say. 
duos, like two-man combos. Yeah. This, though, there are better two-man combos in the perimeter. When you say, um, like, Green and Kawhi Leonard, or, yeah. you know, like you said, Iguodala and, and Thompson, um, those are better than, say, Smart and Crowder. Uh, not so, not significantly better, but then you throw Avery Bradley into that mix. That's that changes things. If you're yeah. talking about all three guys across, you know, the, the perimeter as you're coming down the floor, and you see those three guys in front of you, that third guy, no other team. I no, you're right. No other team has that third guy that's that yeah. level of a defender. The other two defenders might be better, but they don't have a third elite level defender which Avery Bradley obviously can be yeah I'm trying to think of other teams maybe Memphis Conley Tony Allen and Courtney Lee um yeah I mean Tony I, Allen I don't, for I don't sure. think Courtney Lee is as good nearly as good a defender as those other two guys but I'm, right. I'm just trying to think there, there's not one that's significantly better I don't think than Bradley right. Smart and Crowd. We can, and that's the point here. Like those guys are, right. and they're all so tough, so rugged, so hardworking. Like they're going to yeah. bring it every night. They're going to set the tone in that first unit. They're going to keep games close if they don't give you the lead. Like that is a unit that you can fall. I mean, they played a meaningless, absolutely meaningless game, ugliest game ever against the Sixers, preseason game. After the game, Smart, Bradley, and Crowder. They're all talking about how they wanted to send a message to Philadelphia <laughs> because they're playing them on the opening night of the regular season. That's like fantastic. guys, they just, as the kids say these days, they have no chill. <laughs> like, like those guys. That is I mean, awesome. Yeah, they just. I mean, that was like stunning to me. By the way, quick aside: is at the wireless. Verizon Wireless Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire. They have the reporters basically right next to the bench. We were on the baseline, 10 feet away from the bench. We could hear a lot of what those guys were saying and a a few thoughts. One, Marcus Smart does not stop encouraging his teammate the entire game. Like, whenever he is on the bench, he is shouting positive encouragement he is – I mean, they talk about that guy being a leader. You can see why. Like, he just didn't stop. Like, the whole game, either he was encouraging his guys, telling them to let their ass have it, like just nonstop talk from Marcus Smart. You can see why they think he's going to be such a great leader. Um, second second thing, Jared Sullinger is like a leader of the bench brigade. Like, he's up after every three, like, going wild. And for a guy that looks like he might have lost his minutes, I think that's a great sign because he knows where he fits right now into this, which is he might be number five in the big man rotation. And he's out there looking like he's having fun. By the way, he's back on Twitter, like, posting photos of him working out all the time. Yeah. So don't don't sleep on the solely solely getting in shape train. He, he he might he might get back in shape. He might finally be motivated by potentially losing his role. Um, number three, Isaiah Thomas talked a lot of crap, like <laughs> like a whole lot of crap, and not just to his defender, but to the, his other guys' defenders. 
he was telling, I'm not sure exactly what it was. Someone was guarding Evan Turner. And Thomas was just letting the guy have it. You, he can't guard you. He can't guard you, Evan. The guy, he looked over and said something. Thomas screams back at him, shut your ass up. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was awesome. And, like, he is exactly what you'd think he'd be, like, just an absolute fireball of a competitor. Like, he, he was, it was great to sit there and listen to those guys and kind of get another glimpse into their personalities and kind of their, their encore personas. So that was a lot of fun. How much money would you pay to have that seat when Kevin Garnett was on the team? What, one, of my, one of my friends, their, their parents have the front row seat right next to the away bench, and they had it during the Kevin Garnett years. Oh, my and God. I, I envy them so much because they probably heard him say some of the wildest things ever. That seat must come with an R rating, NC-17. Like, that is <laughs> – I, I have been begging, begging for – you know somewhere, because everybody's mic'd up, you know somewhere some editor at NBA TV or NBA Entertainment <laughs> has a folder – a little folder on their desktop that says KG, and it's just full of things that could never see the light of day. Just, yeah. And I, I mean, just once, it, I want to find that person and, and get a glint. I just want to hear it. I just, because it has to be the most outlandish, crazy stream of expletives and insults that one can imagine. Like, I can't even begin to think of what he might have said to people in the heat of yeah. the moment he's already crazy he's already crazy you hear like little bits of it when he like snaps and he gets into that crazy <laughs> kg head button head butting the stanchion yeah man oh god i i i just only hope that somewhere within earshot of this podcast someone knows someone who knows someone knows that guy and <laughs> sends me an email or a DM or something say, Oh, I'll put you in touch. I won't even, I won't even blog about it. I'll just, <laughs> I, just I, watch it own, twice a night for the rest my of your life. own personal satisfaction just to have that j even once, just if he says you get it once and you can sign a confidentiality agreement. I just want it once and my yeah. life will be complete. So. <laughs> you, and you you know that guy watches it at least once a week. You like, have there to. is no way he is sitting on that gold and doesn't watch it all How the time. How can you not? If you have that, my God, that's I would end every week with that. That'd be my Friday treat. Four fifty eight PM, pop that in, two minutes of KG being completely outlandish crazy, and then haha, well, I'm ready to start my weekend. Off I go. <laughs> You couldn't you couldn't start your week with it though because you'd be at work like f bombing people. Oh like, yeah, yeah, no. Slamming your chest. <laughs> it has to be the last thing you watch because yeah. then you can go out to the bar and be a crazy maniac. But that's like <laughs> you can't you can't start because there's nowhere to go from there but up. That has to yeah. be the pinnacle. You can't start with that. How do you top that in the week? You can't. <laughs> uh, let's get to some of these Twitter questions uh, as we are coming up towards the end of this show. So, 
Uh, Max Green asks us, who will lead the Celtics in minutes played this season? That's a good question. Uh, Marcus Smart. I'm going with Marcus Smart. I think because he can play one, two, sometimes even three, he's versatile, he's good, he's, he's a good defensive player, he's becoming a better offensive player. I think his versatility allows him to play with just about anybody on their team. Uh, and because of that, he'll lead the team in minutes. Okay, that's a good one. Um, I will pick something different. I will say Jay Crowder. Um, yeah, because, because, that makes sense, too. You know, that's, he, he's going to be thrown out there against the, the other team's best player. And, you know, when you make substitutions, you, you can have different combinations of guards out there that might eat into some of Marcus's minutes, although I completely agree with you. I think I think they might be one and two as far as minutes played because I, I, I don't think Bradley is going to be finishing as many games. Uh, he'll play a he lot was. of minutes too, though. He'll play, he'll play a lot of minutes, but when, yeah. you go down, when you go down the stretch, like I can see, I can see Marcus Smart, uh, Isaiah Thomas, and Jay Crowder all on the floor at the same time, um, but – I, I'm going to say – I'll say Crowder is an alternative answer to, to Marcus Smart. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's either of those guys. Uh, and they could, have, they could have a ton of guys with like 24, 25 minutes a game. Yeah. Like just so many guys around then. Uh, what, the most fascinating thing I thought from preseason, this is just an aside, they had 10 guys score between 7.2 and 10.2 points per game. And then an 11th, Isaiah Thomas led the team – at 14 points per game. 11 guys between 7 and 14 points a game. That's Most of them, like, clumped right together. Yeah. Like, that's, that's crazy. That's pretty amazing. That's, that's it, actually pretty amazing. It's crazy. Like, there's just very little separation. I, I think... That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Yeah. Well, some, some guys rested and stuff, so it wasn't, like, all the points added up equals their average. Right. But that's still a lot of points. Team, but still, yeah. And and that's a lot of guys who are capable of scoring points. So. Right. That's that's actually it's, it's pretty good. Because we were talking about that rotation before, about that big defensive perimeter. But all of those guys can score. You know, we're talking yeah. about, like, I was making the case for uh, Smart becoming a 20-point-a-game a guy. Avery Bradley is certainly capable, especially if he gets hot and if he plays the right way, he can easily drop. He's dropped twenty and thirty points a game, so that's that's not uh, something to sneeze at. And then Jay Crowder is going to get some some good touches. He can hit from three. He's he's going to score a few points. So we're when we were talking about the best defensive perimeter, they can score too. So there are going to be a lot of guys who can who can put the ball in the basket. Uh, Sean asks us if the Nets are the worst team in the league at All Star. What does it take for you to trade that pick? Uh, I don't, I don't, tr- I don't trade that pick unless you're getting a superstar in return. Yeah, I mean, like look, look at what number one picks get. And granted, it was Andrew Wiggins who's was was a stud number one pick, like pretty much a, a, a no brainer, at least a good player with superstar potential. But he got Kevin Love, you know. It's like number one picks are, and especially in this year's draft, where the salary cap is rising so much that these rookie contracts are going to be the biggest bargains in the league. Yeah, 
I mean, this year's number one pick is the top trade choice, trade chip in the league. Like, that is yeah. that is an unbelievable trade chip. Um, I haven't looked too much at the draft. I think Ben Simmons is up there for the number one pick. I think that guy, Scal LaBissier, or whatever his name from Kentucky, is will be up there for the number one pick. Those guys are both considered really good. So if, if you do get a chance to have the number one pick, you don't trade that for anything but a star. Yeah. An absolute, not... an absolute star, not even borderline, star, like absolute star. Right. You need, right, perennial all-star, big yeah. Kevin Garnett trade, you know, in 07 type of thing. That That's the level of trade that that pick gets. So uh, I, I think th- this, this is a good I, – I like this question, though, maybe even a little bit more than that one. If you're Danny Ainge, would you prefer holding on to a number one pick and hoping he becomes a star, probably will become a star, or trading it for an established guy and trying to get this team to the next level? I trade it. I trade it. Yeah. Yeah, I go with the known entity – because you know you you risk the the flame out you you also risk missing the window not maybe not necessarily with this team but it's going to take a little while for that number 1 pick to become the star that he's going to become i mean look yeah. Wig, Wiggins is is a stud is he ready to become that next level player look at Anthony Davis who is yeah. still developing he's he's Clearly, the uh, and I love that GM survey where yeah, most, cool. most of them picked him to start their franchise. Absolutely the right pick. But it's still he's still developing and adding elements to his game. He he hasn't taken his team uh, to that that next level yet. He's made his team better, no doubt about it. But he's not he's not instant. And and I wouldn't expect the uh, number one pick this year to be instant if. Let's just say Kevin Durant became available. I go for that guy 100% yeah. of the time. 100% of the time uh, just because you know it. You know what you get. He's, he is established. And I don't care if you you know, you know you look at the, well, you have this other guy for 12 years. Like, no, now. Win now. Well- Bold claim saying, going out on a limb, saying you would trade for Kevin Durant if well, he became that's, available. Come on. That you, is a really, really question. bold claim there, John. You asked me the question. You're getting crazy out here. Well, then why did you ask me the question? Because I'm not talking about Kevin Durant. But well, like who a are Kevin you talking Love type. about? A Kevin Love type. Who doesn't put you over the top? Who doesn't make you right away a title contender? No, this is the the guy. The, like I said before, the you this pick, the Brooklyn pick. If it is, if Brooklyn is that bad, and there's a very high probability of them getting the number one pick or a top three pick, that pick becomes. I think you use that in a Kevin Garnett trade scenario. Like that's how high. Like so, who was on that level? Who? I don't think Kevin Garnett, I mean, I don't think Kevin Love is that level superstar. I'm talking about the superstar player. So that's the guy. I'm talking about Steph Curry, Anthony Davis. But those guys aren't becoming available. Like, the ones who will become available. Like, how often does a Kevin Garnett become available by trade? Hardly ever. 
Hardly so, ever. So theoretically, your choice is either hold on to the number one pick or go after who, disgruntled star X, who might be DeMarcus Cousins. Would, would you trade it for DeMarcus Cousins? Ooh, boy. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. Because DeMarcus uh, Cousins, I mean, he's a franchise-changing guy. I've, I've, I've softened my stance on Cousins a lot lately because um, I, I just think he's you – can't, you can't argue with the numbers. And he's just – yeah, I think he's, he's the type of guy that you get. But he's, he's a, I think, underrated. He's not really included in that superstar player. He's really, really, really good. He's, he's yeah. really good. He's one of the best players in the league. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah I, I think, that, and, but that's that's a dilemma too. Do stars want to play with the Marcus Cousins? I don't think so. That guy, I mean, he's got coaches who are like George Carl tried to trade him, like openly tried to sabotage him. Like that, that was yeah. crazy. You don't, you don't get that if the guy's a, a decent teammate, a coachable guy. You're not going to have that. So he's, he's issues. I, 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 I think I would trade it too, especially because you have talent right now and you need that star right away. Like this team is going to compete. This team is close to taking that level in the Eastern Conference where if things go right, they could contend. Uh, but they do need that extra star. And you know, if you can get it with the number one pick, I, I, I'm with you. I, I would trade it, but I mean, you'd have to consider keeping the number one pick with with the youth on this roster. Like, they only have, I believe, three guys 28 or older, and that's Jarebko, Johnson, and David Lee. Everyone else is under 28. So, to to draft the number one pick and then have him and all those other guys for however many years, like that would be enticing to me. But also, I, I I I would trade it too. I I would try to trade it. Okay, so that, that we're, leads us. <laughs> way to go out on the limb, J.K. <laughs> no, I mean that was that was the best claim of the Rainy Days podcast history so far. I would trade for Kevin Durant if he were available. Yes, yes, I went out on the uh, for that. I, one. You know, I would trade for Stephen Curry, John. I, I really would. So. We're both making bold claims here. If uh, Stephen so, Curry becomes available, I think Ainge should should think it twice and, and really, really consider that. Maddie in Maine asks, "What situations around the league should we be watching if one is waiting for a star?" That's the uh, that leads us into okay. Realistically, he says, and he says besides Sacramento because that's a situation everybody's watching to see if Cousins gets traded. Yeah. Where else? Where else do you see? Uh, you know, as a Celtics fan, let's pretend that somebody's. Let's say somebody might become available. Is there a situation uh, out there that sticks out to you? The, that's a good question. I would say I would keep an eye on like the Kevin Love and Cleveland thing. He okay. signed a five-year deal, obviously, but that, like he didn't really work out there last year, and they didn't really fall apart when he got injured. I, I think, you know, depending on what happens this year, I, I think I don't think that's completely out of the question where at some point he becomes available, at some point during that contract. So I think that's a situation to keep an eye on. Obviously, the Celtics have liked him in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's something to, to look at. Uh, what else? 
there's always like things that just pop up though. Like sure, like Lamarcus Aldridge last year. At this time last, maybe it wasn't this time last year, but a year and a half ago, who would have thought Lamarcus Aldridge? Like he had Damian Lillard, he had a young core with Wesley Matthews. Right. Who would have thought he was going to get disgruntled in Portland and want out? You know, like, and then Wesley Matthews goes down, tears his Achilles heel, and all of a sudden, a team that looked like it was like young on the rise, ready to build, all of a sudden, Lamarcus is gone. Things like it changes so quickly in the NBA. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I... right, right now, I, I, I'm struggling to come up with those. Do you have any? I have, I have a couple um, to watch for. I don't know if you consider him a star player, but I think he's underrated. Uh, I'd watch Denver with Gallinari. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know what you give up for him, but I think he's he's a better player than people people realize. Uh, he's not a superstar player, but he's he's a pretty damn good player. Yeah. So that's a situation to watch. Um, I mean, Portland maybe. I mean, are they going to get rid of of Lillard? I doubt it. It seems like they really like him and want to build around him. Um, uh, one, uh, this is a reach, but, but, if Indiana doesn't fare well this season, if things crater in Indiana for some reason, how long do they stick with Paul George? When do they decide to blow it up and take? Danny Ainge's picks and say, hey, you know what? We're not going to do it. We're at the bottom of the East. We're not going to contend with these guys. we got to start over. And Paul George is our ticket out. We're going to take those three Brooklyn picks, and we'll, you can have your superstar. Paul George is a superstar player, and that is a team that is teetering. You know, they're, they, they should have been really good. Like right now – Indiana should have been their their trajectory was they should have been in the conversation with Cleveland and Chicago at the top of the East and now they're not so it's a it's a reach and but who knows I mean that that could be something to watch for in the next year or two if 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 this season Indiana is somehow one of the worst teams i think they're a playoff team but if something goes wrong there and it doesn't involve something with paul george if he's healthy and playing i don't know if they're if they're a lottery team you 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 say hey look we could be a lottery team this year with two lottery picks plus brooklyn's picks you know and whatever players uh, if you throw in i that could be your star. That could be your star player. Paul George. I, I like that. I like that because you're right. Like, Indiana, they could go either way. I think their front court's terrible, which is, I think, why they're trying Paul George at power forward, much to his chagrin, apparently. But, yeah, I think that's interesting. I, what, what other situations are out there? I'm, I'm struggling to think of another one, but yeah. I mean, I, the, I like the other situation stuff. is Oklahoma City, and you know, they're, I think they're going to be yeah, really but, good, and that's not going to. I don't think like that's that's the reaching, the reachiest of reaches, but you know, you're you're just looking at that's just a guy with uh, an expiring like Kevin Durant's going to be a free agent, but only because he's a free agent do you sit there and you wonder 
hmm, what if now? What if Oklahoma City is is horrible for some reason? Uh, Sam Presti's not afraid to make a bold move, but is he that bold? I don't I don't think so. If Oklahoma City is horrible, we've got we've got some bold bold thoughts coming out of John Carlos here. I, I just said I just said it's the reachiest of reaches. But <laughs> if you Oklahoma don't know. City is terrible, if no, they win ten obviously... games this year, Sam Presti might feel compelled to trade Kevin Durant. In which case, Danny Ainge might possibly want to consider it. Are you done? Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that though. <laughs> you know, you you try you try to make a point acknowledging ahead of time that it was a reach and you just <laughs> can't wait to pounce man you're relentless uh, I've, I've been watching Bradley Martin Crowder man partner at Reds Army underscore John if you want to do this podcast with me and uh, <laughs> Jay, tweet at me uh, no, I gotcha I gotcha I gotcha um, let's get to more of these. We, we want to wrap up this show pretty quickly here, but let's get some more of these questions in. <laughs> Will Avery Bradley be a rotation player when the team contends? This is from John Duke. Uh, a rotation player? When, yeah, I mean, when if the still team around. contends, will will he still yeah. be around? Like that's the question. The, so when the when the Celtics are the the you know top two three seed, whenever that happens, will that involve Avery Bradley being on this team? And a rotation player. Yeah, I, I I would assume so. I mean, obviously there's a chance he gets traded. Obviously anything could happen. But I think the things he does fit so much better with a team that's really good than a team that's not good. I, I think the better they get, the better he'll look because he'll just be able to play off guys, sit in the corner, make cuts, uh, that to take advantage of the good passes around him, I think the better they get, the more important his skill becomes. Uh, I think I don't know whether he'll start on that team, but he'll he'll play a big role. I mean, he's he's a great defender. He does a lot of those things that that look better when he is with those talented players. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I think I think. And I, I think the team likes him. I think Danny Ainge likes him. I think he, yeah. he works. So um, I think he's going to continue to have a role on this team. Um, S. Frederick asks us, what are the odds Mickey makes this team? I know he needs minutes and they have played bad teams, but, 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 but uh, he, I mean, he's, he's obviously he's made this team. He signed, he's under contract. I guess yeah. the, 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 the real question is, does he get any minutes this season? Yeah. Does uh, he which, check or go to Maine? Yeah, I think he's I think he's main bound. Although it's funny, I, I saw um, what's Adam Kaufman who does uh, his, he's uh, with uh, CBS. And, yeah, ninety eight point five. Ninety eight point five. Yeah, he he's actually I saw a tweet right before we we started this show. Uh, he told Mike Gorman that he thinks Jordan Mickey's going to be an all star someday, and Mike Gorman said, "You're drinking what Tommy's drinking if you think that." <laughs> um, and when I, you're drinking what Tommy's drinking, you're drinking the good stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, I do not believe that Mickey is going to be an all-star someday, um, but yeah, you never know. But I think I think he's destined for Maine this year. But they they like him, and he's got good instincts, and he's very athletic. Uh, and so, um, 
I think eventually he's he's going to be a part of this team, but I, I, it's not going to be this year. Um, yeah, I think he's one of those guys where if you need him this year, whether it's because of injuries or trade, that's not the worst thing that's ever happened. He'll be able to step in and not be bad. I He's not ready to jump any of the five guys in front of him in that pecking order. He's not going to, as long as they stay relatively healthy and the roster stays intact, he's not going to get minutes in Boston. He might as well develop in the name. Right. But, you know, he is a guy. He's, I mean, he's going to probably kill the D-League. <laughs> those big yeah. men are not great. He is going to go down there and post them. Like, Stab Mello was posting. Remember those triple doubles and stuff yes. he was posting? yes. Mickey's going to average a triple-double. Mickey here. is going to be a D-League monster <laughs> this year. Uh, as far as being an all I don't see him being an all-star. I, I, I see his potential kind of like Todd Gibson. Yeah. I, I think he, he's got that type of ceiling as a bad. defender. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I like that one. That's <laughs> so, pretty good. Think, Todd, Todd, Ty Gibson potential. And Gibson's a really good player. Gibson yeah. helps your team. So if he does develop into Ty Gibson out of the second round, yeah, that is a huge, huge plus. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. Uh, think about how good the main Red Claws are going to be. They're going to get heavy minutes from Terry Rozier and oh Jordan goodness. Mickey. Who, I mean, those guys, I mean, Rozier is, I think, pretty damn close to being NBA ready. I, 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 yeah. he, there's no, just no spot for him. He, you know, he may he might shuttle back and forth, but they need to they need to send him to Maine so he can play like actual minutes, like actual basketball. So he'll be in Maine. Mickey will be in Maine. I don't know what the what Hunter's role is going to be if he's going to go to Maine or I, I think I, I think he's most likely going to stay in Boston because of, of his ability to shoot. And I think he's been used more. He's I think he's closest to getting actual NBA minutes this year, but. You're still he still may go, but just Rozier and Mickey, they're gonna they're gonna dominate. The main red claws are gonna be the best D League team uh like ever. They're gonna be monsters. Yeah. Everybody should go to Portland, Maine, check Enjoy out a game. Enjoy Portland. They they made the the poor decision not to pick me up after my tryout with them. And that's what bite the they, they, they should be pretty good anyway. Yeah. They should I mean those if those two guys are down the bit. They've been out there, you know, be, beating Carmelo Anthony in the fourth quarter, like toppling Real Madrid starters in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and then they're going to go to the D League, and and I, I think I mean those those two guys are will be very very good D League players if they do spend time there. And uh, last thing to mention, uh, Greg Popovich, Team USA coach, he's going to take over for uh, Coach K after the. Uh, 06, I mean, uh, the 06, what the, 16, um, or is it Rio games? Uh, yeah. So uh, after that, it's going to be Coach Pop. It was not Brad Stevens, but Coach Pop and Brad Stevens are pretty close. They have a really good relationship. I, not only would I not be surprised, I am almost kind of expecting Brad Stevens to become an assistant on the, uh, the Popovich USA staff. Yeah, I, that wouldn't. I mean, that would be really, I think, a natural fit. They always, always, always compliment each other. Whenever Brad Stevens plays against a Popovich team, he takes time to pick Popovich's brain. They 
talked on the phone. Popovich has talked about stealing Stevens' place since he was at Butler. They have a lot of respect for the way each other does, the way they do things. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's a really natural fit in my eyes. If Popovich does go And speaking of the, the choice to take Popovich, if he wanted to do it, there was no other choice. He is, he is the best coach in the world. Yeah. He has Air Force. He's an Air Force vet. Like, there there was no – as long as he wanted to do it, they had to pick Greg Popovich. Yeah. No, that, yeah, absolutely. Completely yeah. agree with you. Uh, and, you know, I got to say, I may have said this a million times, but that just hearing it said out loud, the relationship that Popovich and Stevens have – just makes me feel really good about Brad Stevens. When Popovich, who I hold in the highest of regards, goes out of his way to compliment, and you know he doesn't compliment a lot of people, yeah. he, he has uh, an obvious high opinion of Brad Stevens. That makes me feel so good that Brad Stevens is the coach of the Celtics. That. I think I think Popovich is is the best coach since Red Arback. He's he's I think he's better than Phil Jackson. I think he's he's just one of the probably two greatest coaches of all time. I, I that's how highly I think of him. So to for him to be so enamored with Brad Stevens. Any opportunity for Stevens to be next to to Popovich is is huge. And then for Stevens to be on the court with all of those guys uh, talking to those free agents, you know, not tampering, just talking, and just ex- you know exposing his his uh, the way he works and, and to to these guys and, and giving them a real true up close sense of what he is as a coach. Really, really important to me as the Celtics try to get the superstars here. So I, I think this would be really, really huge, and I, I really hope that Stevens gets onto that staff. Yeah, I, I think that would be huge. Uh, we're just out of, just not out of topics, right? Before we go, I want to ask you, how many wins are the Celtics going to have this season? We are going to look back at this at the end of the year. You are either going to look brilliant, dumb, otherwise <laughs> – something how many wins are they gonna have 72 <laughs> only no. 72 70 72 that's if hunter plays uh, <laughs> no i think the celtics are going to win uh, god i've picked so many different numbers <laughs> i'm gonna be right on one of these predictions i've picked so many different numbers i'm going to say now having seen everything and feeling really really good maybe too good considering the competition they played Forty-seven games. 47 that, that's games. my exact number. Forty-seven that? is my exact number. I think with a full year of Isaiah Thomas, I think Amir Johnson is going to make a big difference. I think the depth will carry them through injuries, whatever else. I think really one it the one a real alarm I have right now is. How are guys going to handle it when they don't play minutes? Like right now, it's fine. It's preseason. Guys are sitting. Everybody's happy. When when they lose three games in a row and it's real games that matter, what's going to happen with those guys who have a legitimate beef 
to to play more minutes. Like every guy who's going to be complaining about minutes has an actual argument that I deserve more minutes or I like strong argument to say that he could be on the court. Right. So I think that's a potential issue. I do think Stevens will deal with it well. I think most of the players are really good guys who understand the situation. I'm going with 47 wins. I think like 50 is the about the ceiling. I don't think they'll win fewer than 45. 45 to 50 is my window. I'm going with 47. They're going to be the four seed in the Eastern Conference. Home court advantage in the first round. They're going to make the second round, and that's as far as they're going to go. Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, Look, they're in the Atlantic Division. They're going to get a ton of wins just by playing Philly and Brooklyn and New York. That's going to pump up their win total. Uh, They're going to play other teams in the East that they're better than. Uh, So they're going to – I think they're going to win more games simply because they're going to face a schedule that's not necessarily – as difficult as some other teams have to face, even in other divisions within the East and obviously not in the West. But my my concern that I've been saying over and over again is that this is going to be a really good regular season team. I'm concerned about the playoffs because the depth is great when you play a bunch of different teams that have you know traveled and you know are, are road weary and all of that stuff. When you play a team in a series where the travel isn't an issue, they've game planned for you, they know everything, they've scouted you more than they can scout you during the regular season, there's practice time, they can prepare. You know, that is where, that's why the stars take over in the playoffs because at that point, everybody knows everything about each other and it's the talent that rises to the top. Without that big star player, I wonder, like I think they're good enough to get past the first round that second round is going to be tough because they're going to be facing some real star players and I don't know if they're going to be able to, to overcome that they'll put up a fight I just unless they get somebody who can rise above and, and by sheer will win games uh, I don't think I don't think they're going to do much more than than that second round yep yep we we both agree second round is their ceiling which is really I, I, good. I they, yeah, I mean, if, if they get to the second round this year, and then Brooklyn is terrible, Dallas falls in the latter half of the lottery, this year would be an absolute booming success. Oh, God. that's This is the absolute – that would be the absolute best-case scenario. When we made that trade with Brooklyn, that's the trajectory that we were hoping for, that the Celtics would continue to be good, that the Nets would be bad by this time, and the Celtics could be good with draft picks. And damn it, if we're not here, possibly. <laughs> you know, like that is starting. The, the ingredients are there. It's all right there. It just has to go right. And, and that's what this season is about, is just a little bit of luck, because you need a little bit of luck. You need a few guys to take that next step. And the the plan will have worked, and Danny Ainge will be a damn genius for making this happen like this. So, all right, that's it. That's the show. We've gone long. That's a little more than an hour here. Hour We've gone minutes. long. We've gone long. But I think it was good. I think it was a lot of good stuff, and I hope people enjoy it. And 
if you're listening, then you know where to find the show. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, you probably know our Twitter handles, which is at RedsArmy underscore John and at by J King. Tweet us your questions at any time. You don't even have to mention us. Just hashtag it. Rain and Jays. R-A-I-N-I-N-J-S. Rain and Jays. Tag it. Send us the question. We will answer it. And I will go out on limbs for you. <laughs> so many. The Kevin Durant limb. I will go uh, out. I will make bold statements like that. Hey, I'd like to thank our sponsor for today's show, Baby Food. Today's show brought to you by <laughs> Baby Food. Baby food. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.